Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of abundance. And God, as we uh, get ready to explore that, Lord, God, I, I pray that you would just open our, our hearts and minds and tru- uh, to your truth and wisdom here this morning, Lord. God, may we just be real about where we're at in our walk with you and the ways that we've just gotten complacent and the ways that maybe we've turned away and maybe the ways that we've just given up hope and we forgot that you are a God of abundance, that you are a God who pursues us recklessly, who loves us, cares for us, and is here with us right now. So God, just continue this morning to minister to us where we're at. Speak to us. And God, may the words we hear this morning through your word and through the words you've given me, Lord, God, I pray that the ones that you want to stick will stick, Lord, and the ones you don't, that they will be brushed aside, and the ones that are meant for us would just take root in our lives and bear fruit to bring you glory and honor. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to give a little disclaimer uh, prior to jumping into God's Word this morning uh, because uh, I'm running on two to three hours of sleep this morning uh, just because my daughter Addison, she's three months old, she woke up last night about 45 minutes into her sleep with a little cold and sniffle and she could not sleep in her cradle. (laughs) So uh, that meant dad slept with her in his arms in the rocking chair all evening. And we had this little back and forth that she would finally get, she'd be restless and finally fall asleep. And I would finally start to sleep and then I would snore. And then my snore would wake her. (laughs) And then it would take her a while to get back settled to sleep. And then finally I would after some adrenaline had gone down, I would finally go back to sleep and snore again <laughs> and wake her. <laughs> and such went from about nine o'clock until uh, when I woke up at five. So <laughs> uh, yeah, so little to no sleep. So I just ask your grace and your forgiveness this morning as I will bamble a little bit <laughs> and uh, uh, do my best here uh, on little to no sleep. So um, this morning we are opening uh, a new sermon series called Life Abundant where we're going to be exploring the abundant life that Christ calls us to, that Christ offers us. So what is an abundant life? That's kind of a vague term, right? Like I say, I want you to have an abundant life. What does that mean? What what are the thoughts that come to your mind when I say, I want you to have an abundant life? I know if somebody randomly came up to me and said, Jeff, I want you to have an abundant life, the first things that would probably pop into my head are that I would have enough money, that I would have enough uh, food, that I'd have enough time, that I'd have enough resources to do life. If I'm honest, those are the first things that would pop into my mind if somebody says, Jeff, I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to think about that for you. What if somebody popped into your life and says, I want you to have an abundant life? What would that mean for you? What things would pop into your mind? I think this is an important question to ask. Because we learned from John 10.10 that Jesus came to bring life abundant. It says in John, uh, John chapter 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring this. We're going to be exploring what is it, this abundant life that God calls us to? And how do we tap into that? What, what, what is our responsibility and how does God work through us? How does he uh, pursue us in this abundant life? And what does it mean? Does it mean that we just get a ton of resources as Christians? I know my life, my life does not represent that if that's the case. And so I'm just going to, you know, kind of scratch that one off the list right now. So what does it mean? And so I think, because it's three parts, we're going to break it down here. Uh, the first part this morning is, I think it starts with being rooted in God's word. And I want to take a look at Psalm uh, 1 this morning in order to kind of get this point across for all of us this morning, including myself. And I just want to remind us, too, as we look at the Psalms, and we've already been doing this through our Amaze series, and so this is kind of just a dovetail into this new series, is that the Psalms are a mirror to our souls. And through them, we can discover how we are doing on the inside. We can discover and ask questions and begin to reflect, how is God working in my life right now? As we read the Psalms, as we reflect and meditate on them. They are designed, the Psalms are designed to be meditated on and reflected by the reader. And so as we read this this morning, I want you to uh, let down your guard, let down any facades or any presuppositions that you might have about yourself and about your life. And I want you to answer honestly. The Psalms are that, they're raw. They're an honest look at people who are struggling with their relationship with God. They're struggling with their circumstances in their life. And there's more songs of lament or despair <laughs> in, the, in the book of Psalms than there are, uh, you know, joyful ones, which I think that says something about life, not necessarily like that I'm trying to paint a doom and gloom picture, but that, that people are like us. They struggle, right? And, and these Psalms reflect that, and they can point us in the direction of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, I believe they can bring transformation and restoration to our lives. And so as we pursue what an abundant life looks like, let's read Psalm 1 this morning. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that, blow, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over, over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So as we read this psalm, there's a couple things that I, I think that point us in the direction of abundant life here, that kind of give us this foundation that we're going to build upon in the next couple weeks. And the first is this, is the psalms always does a great job of kind of, like I said, helping you reflect and putting you in a place. And this one has put you in a place where if you're, you're reading it with open eyes and willingness to kind of enter into the psalm, you have to pick between two camps at this point, right? And the first two verses are talking about who is blessed. And so you have to answer the question for yourself. And I think most of us, this is an easy question. Do I want to be blessed? 
Do I want to be blessed? Or do I want to be one of the wicked? (laughs) And I think that's an easy thing to say is, yes, I want to be blessed. Yes, I do. And so we have these two camps to pick ourselves. Which one are we going to align ourselves with? This is to force us to help us have an honest reflection of our own lives and evaluate where we're at. And to kind of lead us in this process of, okay, if, this, if you want a blessed life, then this is what your life should look like. This is what your life priorities should be. And so I think most of us this morning, we desire to live that blessed life. We desire uh, out of that psalm to be that person, that tree planted by, well, uh, by uh, living water. And so if you put yourself there, so then the next thing is as the psalmist kind of leads you, it's like, okay, I want to be blessed. Okay, I want to be blessed by the Lord. So what does that look like? And the, the psalms are awesome because they are full of imagery, right? They're uh, of metaphors and similes and things to make us, that take real life examples and kind of help us uh, discover the, the hard to grasp truths of the kingdom of God. Because we're reminded that God's, God's ways and his understanding is way beyond our comprehension. And so often the best way we can do that is by putting it to poetry or putting it by examples that uh, tend to lean themselves in a way that goes, oh, okay, well, I want to be planted by a stream, like a tree. Well, I can't do that, right? I'm human. I'm not going to be planted by a stream. <laughs> that's, that's not physically possible. So what does that mean for, I mean, I guess it's possible. <laughs> I guess I could hang out by a stream for a long period of time. That actually sounds really, really nice, <laughs> especially on a hot day. Um, but that's not our job as a human, right? We, like our job is to live life. Um, we're not trees planted that we move and we breathe. And the psalmist wants to help identify the, basically the direction of each of those camps. And so it starts out by saying that a, a person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do prospers. That's, what's in a, uh, that's our challenge right here. That's the way of the life of those who are blessed by God. It's to look like that. So what does that mean for us? I want to get at that, but at first I want to say, what, what does it look like for the wicked? The wicked are like chaff. I, I, until I started studying the Bible uh, in college, well, I never knew what chaff was. I'm not from an agricultural community. That I, grew, I mean, I guess there was some agriculture around me, but I wasn't a farmer. <laughs> my grandpa was a farmer, but my dad wasn't, so I had no idea about what chaff was. And so maybe some of you guys know, but maybe some of you guys don't. And chaff is like the, the loose kind of shell part of wheat or grain. And it's there, it kind of protects it, but it's useless. Chaff is useless to a farmer. It's useless to making bread. It actually gets in the way. You don't want it. And so what they do is they sift through wheat or grain to get rid of the chaff. And the chaff is light. And so the way they do this is, you can see here, this is one example of where they're kind of doing it, um, where the chaff is going through. Um, but other times they'll throw it up with a bowl and all the grain that's been cracked, all the chaff will blow away in the wind and the grain will, is heavier and more dense and it's going to land back in the bowl. And this is how we get the things we need to make flour and everything. And they get rid of the chaff. So that's what the, the, the example, that's the metaphor of the wicked. 
that they're useless, that they're just going to get blown away in the wind. And so if that's our course of action, if that's the trajectory that we want to take, as the reader of this psalm, as we're seeking the abundant life, we, 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 are, gra- we are stuck here with this metaphor, with this imagery of this is not the right way. Like there's not even a hint of hope being chaff. It's just blown away. It's useless. But then we see in verse 3, we'll go back. A person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. When I was a kid, there was this, I grew up in Colorado, and when my uh, housing development, my parents bought a house uh, in, when I was a little kid, it was surrounded by farms at that time. So like I wasn't a farmer, but I saw, I saw some farms. And there was this uh, lot of land where they took all the excavation from all the homes and they began dumping it in this huge area. And this area was surrounded by a uh, irrigation ditch because if you guys don't know, Colorado doesn't get a lot of water. So they try to <laughs> uh, store up the water and they use irrigation ditches to help water fields. And so there's this windy irrigation ditch that went around this lot of plot of land where they would dump all the excavation. And there was this one big tree in that area that hadn't been taken over, and it was planted right next to the irrigation ditch. And me and my friends, we nicknamed it Big Ben. Um, I don't know why. I think it had to do with it. It got struck at light, by lightning at one point in time and split in half. And so part of the tree was leaning over, and you could kind of climb it, and it was fun. There's a little bit of char marks there, and the other one was still standing tall. And there was a tree fort. If you're really courageous, you would climb all the way up to the top. But it was a very, very tall tree. And as a you know, second or third grader, climbing these little two-by-four planks that had been nailed into the tree to get to this tree fort up there just seemed like uh, not, not a smart choice. And I wasn't into a whole lot of risky behavior as a kid. The, the only risk I did was uh, a lunge on the rope swing that went across the irrigation ditch. <laughs> and that was my uh, form of excitement. But this tree was planted by a continual source of water. And it grew. And it, it, its leaves, until the fall, they would fall, but it always grew. And it had been struck by lightning, for Pete's sake. And it still continued to produce leaves. It still continued to grow branches. And it still continued to grow tall. That's the image the Bible is picture, uh, painting for us. And I don't know what your life is like, but maybe you've been to the Grove of the Patriarchs or other places here where there's some giant trees or the Redwood Forest and just, you, you, or just on a hike somewhere and you see a tree planted by a river and how healthy it is and how strong it is. And that's the image that God is p- painting for us of what it looks like to have an abundant life with Him as to be this tree by a stream. So what does that mean? We turn back to that verse and it says, um, right before it actually in verse 2, it says uh, that those who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Like this is the action that leads to being a tree planted by a stream of living water. Being into God's word, having it a part of your life is part of what it looks like to be a tree that's planted by living water. And this is important. I think a lot of times 
especially preachers, <laughs> and when we're at church, we're saying, yeah, we got to spend time in God's Word. And we're like, yeah, 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 I'll spend time in God's Word, you know? But we forget that the, the life-giving purpose that it has in our, for us. We forget that God's word, it's what, God's word is what transformed us through the Holy Spirit's power. And if we're not in God's word daily and we're not spending time studying God's word, we're missing out. We're missing out on reading through things like the Psalms and letting it reflect in our lives and being that, uh, that sword that pierces through our lives and cuts down to the marrow that helps reveal the false things that we are following and the, the wrong desires that we have instead of pursuing God and his blessings and his abundance for us. We can't sift through that on our own without God's word. I don't know how often in my career where I've been ministering to people and they've been struggling with some decisions and you start questioning them a little bit about like their personal relationship with God and you realize, man, I know, this doesn't seem that tough, but it's tough because you're not spending time with God. You're not, you're not seeking his word. You're not reading his word for you. And that can be true of us too. Sometimes we can get complacent, especially when we've been going to church for a while. Especially when you're a pastor, it's easy to get complacent with God's word and forget about the power that it has in your life. Forget that it's what starts to bring abundance and life change. And it's not just knowing it. This word is delighting in it and meditating on God's word. And when I look at the word meditate, uh, I, I think sometimes we get that like Eastern practice of, you know, you know, got your fingers out and you're, you know, folded and you're meditating on God's word. But the root of the word is it's about reflection. It's about holding your life as it is to God's word and reflecting on, is, what does my life really look like right now? Am I, am I uh, trusting in God? Am I, am I relying on him? Am I following his commands? Am I, am, am I putting my, my desires second to his? Am I doing these things? Sometimes we can get really caught up when it comes to God's word, that it's all about knowledge, if we're honest, and how much we know. And sometimes we can get caught up even with memorization, which is good. But that seems to be the end-all be-all. And I'm reminded from a show that I grew up in, G.I. Joe, there was this little tagline that they always had at the end of the show. It says, uh, knowing is half the battle, right? <laughs> if you, I don't know, if you didn't grow up watching G.I. Joe, then that's all right. But that was the tagline. They would have like this little public service announcement at the end of every episode. And like, you know, like a fallen power line came down and one of the guys would jump up and he'd be like, hey, don't touch that. Knowing is half the battle. You know, and like, the, then you're supposed to know, okay, I'm not supposed to touch the power lines, you know, as a kid. But the, I liked that it said knowing is half the battle, right? And that's the truth with our Christian lives. Knowing is half the battle. So we might know God's word. We have it memorized. We've read it back and forth. But the other half of the battle is applying it to our lives, is allowing it to work in our lives. If it's just head knowledge, it's chaff. It's useless. It's blowing in the wind. Unless it's applied, this psalm is, is leading us to a place that we have to apply God's word to our life. I mean, another example, I just take an interest that you may have. I love to play basketball. And if I just knew the rules of the game and, 
and knew how, like, every single rule and know, knew what you were supposed to do and watched even guys like Steph Curry and Michael Jordan and LeBron James and watched how they played and studied their movements knowing that, you know, like, Michael Jordan's little fadeaway was like boom, boom, and they, you know, tossed that shot. I actually practiced that a lot when I was a little. Um, but if I had just watched him on TV and studied it and knew that's how he did it, like, I could never, and I'm not super great at basketball, but I would never, that doesn't teach you how to play. You have to actually get into the game. You actually have to pick up the basketball and go to a basketball hoop and start playing. And I think sometimes as Christians, we come to church and we get here and we get our fill and we go, oh, pastor taught me something new today, or he reminded me of something I already know today. And then we go back out and we forget that we have to apply those things. We forget that we have to uh, apply uh, what God's word is teaching us. And we miss out on the abundant life that God is calling us to. That that's part of meditation, that's part of reflecting, is that we're taking it in, and it's not just becoming head knowledge, but it's becoming a practice, a belief, something that we live out every single day. Because we serve a God of abundance. As we've been, the worship team did such a great job today of reminding us that we serve a God of abundance. His resources are endless. He gives us access to those resources through the Holy Spirit. We forget that the ways that He blesses us through the fruit of the Spirit, like love, forgiveness, kindness, and gentleness, that those aren't commodities that diminish. Money diminishes. Time is finite. We only have so much of it. But love, love is endless. Forgiveness, forgiveness is deep. Kindness, kindness is always readily available. And when we're powered by God through the Holy Spirit, these resources that often, if we're honest, we think are limited they become even more abundant. How often have you, and I'm merely reflecting my life back to you guys, so how often have you thought, because I've thought these things, man, I can't forgive that person another time. Man, the guy has made me mad too many times. I'm, I'm done being kind to him. Or man, I feel like I'm getting walked on all the time. I don't think I can love that person anymore. And that attitude is an attitude of scarcity. That isn't an attitude of a person who is in a relationship with a God of abundance. And so I have to check myself and realize that, you know, our God is bigger than that. He can help me be bigger than that. Because he not only is a God of abundance, but he's also a God of compassion. And these two things fuel the way that we interact with the world. Compassion and knowing that we have a God of abundance. Just imagine, first of all, like, I just want to break it down for you. Like, abundance, right, is having a lot of something. And so if I have a ton of money here, then it's easy for me when somebody says, hey, I need $1,000 to repair my car. Yeah, man, here you go. It's $1,000 to repair your car because I have an abundance of money. It's easy for me to give. 
So that's one way to give, because we have an abundance of something. But there's another way of giving, too, that God calls us to, and it's uh, out of compassion. And that's saying somebody's car breaks down and is like, man, I, I need $1,000 to break my car. My car broke down. Man, all I got is $1,000 in my bank account right now. Um, I'm going to have compassion on you and give that sacrificially. And maybe it's not money. I'm just using that example. There's other resources and other things that come to mind and the ways that we can give out abundance and out of uh, compassion. But God does both, and we see examples of both that happening. When God gave out an abundance, his very first miracle was, an, uh, was a gift of abundance. When he changed water into wine, he could have just done a little bit to tide everybody over until the end of the wedding, but he gave abundance. And not only was it just like a little like wine, it was really good wine. He gave extravagantly in that miracle. And then we see, uh, the, we see in the gift of compassion, we see the woman who anointed Jesus with perfume. A perfume that was worth a year's worth of wages. And from the story, we know that, that, that prob- probably all that she had, maybe a little bit more, but she con- anointed him with that perfume. That was out of compassion and out of sacrificially. She didn't have an abundance of that back at her house, but she gave out of compassion. And those two things are part of what it looks like to live in a life of abundance, this trusting in the Lord there. And this tree that's planted by the stream does this. We look at an abundant tree. If we look at a tree, what defines a good growing tree. It grows, right? Continues to grow. It produces fruit or seeds or something, and then it reproduces, which is part of the fruit process, but it reproduces. And so when we look at our lives, and is our lives growing in abundance like these things, like this tree, are, are we growing? Are we growing in our relationship with God? Are we discovering new things about ourselves? that we need to take to the Lord? Are we are finding new ways that we can love people better? Are we producing fruit? We're going to get into this a little later in the sermon series, but are we producing the fruit of the Spirit? Love, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, faithfulness. We had a little song, and I just forgot it, at VBS over the summer, all about it. I'm sure we'll sing it one of these Sundays. <laughs> But are, we, are those things producing in our lives? That's, that's part of our relationship with God, part of being a tree planted by a stream, is that those, that fruit starts to happen. And are we reproducing? Are we inviting people into the kingdom of God? Are we, are we sharing our faith in a way that uh, people are compelled in coming to Christ? Like That's a sign of a healthy tree, and that's the sign of a, uh, someone living in abundance with God. And so I challenge you, where, where are you at? As we reflect on the psalm, as these things are being brought up, what stirs up in your heart? Are there areas where you're, you're like, yeah, I've, yesterday I was super compassionate at the guy that hit my car, <laughs> you know? Like maybe there's something along those lines. You're like, man, and you can hear a well done, good and faithful servant. Or maybe there's areas that are kind of tugging on your heart where the Holy Spirit's speaking to you saying, hey man, I would like to work on this with you. The last bit of this psalm, 
verses 5 and 6 show us the outcomes, the ultimate con- con- consequences for the reader as they choose their, their camp or their trajectory according to the psalm. It says verse 5 and 6, Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So there you have a really good answer (laughs) and some motivation of wanting to pursue a life of abundance with the Lord. See, the psalm then is an exhortation through positive and negative examples that adopt fruit, fruitful and satisfying life character, character is by immersion with God. Then and only then will we, the faithful, find ourselves in the way of the abundant life. As we reflect on these psalms, as we dig into God's word, as we allow it to shape and mold our lives, and as we apply it, we begin to experience the abundant life. We begin to see fruit We begin to see life change in our own lives. We begin to minister to those around us because God is at work in us. And God is providing us with all that we need because he's an abundant God, full of resources, able to give us more love, able to give us more grace, able to give us resources like money and food and the things we need to minister to others. He has no limits, and that is the God we serve. So as we go this morning, I just want to challenge you once more. Where are you at? What is God calling you to this morning? Where is God trying to to prune you or shape you or encourage you? And don't just leave that here this morning as we go out. Spend time, look into God's word, read through the Psalms, and allow him this week to change your life. Allow him to shape and mold you into the man or the woman he's called you to be. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a God of abundance, that you don't desire for us to sit in the seat of mockers. You don't desire for us to be chaff blown by the wind, but you desire us to sit at the seat of the righteous, to be a tree planted by a stream, bearing fruit whose leaves do not wither, giving you glory and honor and praise through all that you give us, Lord. May we go this morning reminded that you are a God of abundance, that we ourselves don't have what we need to do the work that you've prepared for us to do here on this earth, that it's only through your Holy Spirit's power and through us relying on you being connected to you, being deeply rooted in you, that we get this abundant life, this free gift that you give us. So God, let us receive with open arms the abundance and the delight you have for us. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.